RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by our Patreon supporter, Jim DeVico. We thank him and all our other patrons for their monthly support. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 378 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, and your weekly report from the Star Trek multiverse. Recorded on Monday, August 13th, 2018, and available for download or streaming on Friday, August 17th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Kenna. And I'm Anthony. Well, we're all together again after two long weeks away. (laughs) I've missed you guys. Oh, we we certainly missed you too. And like I told you last week, uh, people were asking about you. Hey, where's the new guy? And then I would say his name's Anthony. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm I'm okay. I'm I'm normally not okay with being the new guy, but but for what I'm doing and what I get to do with you guys, I'll I'll take the new guy. I'm fine with that. Sweet. Well, I can't wait to do a recap of STLV with you later during on-screen for our patrons. But in the meantime, we've got some news to cover. So, Kenna, why don't you tell us what we've got coming up this week? Well, this week we're digesting that announcement from STLV that Patrick Stewart will be reprising his role as Jean-Luc Picard. There's a rare trademark application from CBS that has set fans' chins wagging. And CBS has set a goal of making Star Trek a year-round offering for CBS All Access. And in movies, we're trekking out the news that negotiations between Paramount and Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth have broken down, ahead of the planned Star Trek IV. In gaming news this week, we're bringing you an interview from STLV with Holly Amos and Josh Singer from Star Trek Adversaries. And later, our science advisor, Dr. Hurt, is here with another report from the Astrometrics Lab. And of course, as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Captains, remember that those hailing frequencies are always open, and we love to hear from you between episodes. So please, reach out to us. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast. We're on Twitter at Priority One Pod. You can even send us an email via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. And now, we're also on Instagram. So follow us at PriorityOnePod for pics, memes, and the occasional hipster-style typography quote. You know what you want to do. Thanks again to all of our Patreon supporters, old and new, who make this show possible from week to week. It's because of our patrons that the service stay on, the power keeps flowing, and the team keeps producing. Help us improve the show by considering a financial contribution via our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash priority one. Speaking of patrons, we've got to welcome Julie. Thank you so very much for joining our Patreon community. 
and a special congratulations to our patron supporter, Matt Hartle, who we found out at STLV has just started selling his beer to MGM Grand. So look out for Bearded Bird Brewery in the near future. Now, let's check out all the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's check it out. Set a course for nostalgia. Engage. As you've most likely heard, Sir Patrick Stewart will once again step into the role of the beloved Jean-Luc Picard. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Picard's return will be in the form of a CBS All Access series and will examine what has happened to the Enterprise's former, or possibly current, captain since the events of Star Trek Nemesis. During an announcement of the upcoming series at the 2018 Star Trek Las Vegas convention, Sir Patrick Stewart, who will also serve as executive producer, said, I have never ever grown tired of hearing from people who stop me in the street or in a restaurant. Well, no, I don't like being interrupted while I'm eating. (laughs) But um, who say to me, your show changed my life. I always respond to those letters, to those notes, and to those uh, words when I hear them in the street. My personal favorite, which makes me very emotional, came from a detective sergeant with the Las Vegas Police Department. He wrote to me about his life and his work, and towards the end he said, you know, there are days, I love my job, but there are days when I go home that what I have seen, what I have experienced, the cruelty, the barbarity, the viciousness, the nastiness of what I've experienced makes me despair for the future of our society and the world. But when I feel like that, I go to my video shelf and I take down Star Trek The Next Generation and I know we're going to have a future. And that lies at the very center of what I have to tell you now. Jean-Luc Picard is back. CBS is keeping the particulars of the series, including title, number of episodes, and estimated premiere date under wraps for the time being. But the trademark blogging website, The Trademark Ninja, has uncovered an application by CBS for trademark of the name Star Trek Reliant. While this could be for any number of projects being considered by CBS, The Trademark Ninja points out that the application was filed on the day of the Stewart-led series announcement. Further, the blog mentions that CBS doesn't file for trademark unless there is intent to use said trademark. A full list of Star Trek-related trademark filings, as well as a video of Stewart's announcement at STLV, can be found by trekking out the show notes. Now, here's the thing about this particular trademark, is that its filing, its application, specifically is for quote, entertainment services, namely a continuing multimedia series featuring drama rendered through the media of television, cable, satellite, and broadband systems and via the internet, et cetera, et cetera, end quote. So it's not for a game. It's not for a, a, some kind of toy. Mm-hmm. This is clearly for something meant to be a series or something that is accessible through television or media consumption. I'm, I'm raising my hand right now. Um, I don't care. 
I'm the I'm the resident cynic, I think, um, of this particular show. Um, I don't care that they have trademarked a name. The name Star Trek is already trademarked. Uh, no one else can call something Star Trek Reliant because it's got they can't call it Star Trek and they can't call it Star Trek Reliant. So it's kind of like this is why we need Tony here because I'm probably wrong. I don't know, but it seems it this seems like a move to like make people gossip without actually having to put out any information. This is like when Apple trademarks some name of some hypothetical service that does not exist and it never happens. So, like, I know you said, because we were talking about this before we started recording, and I know that they don't tend to trademark things that don't end up getting used. Um, But... uh, Show me stills, show me production notes, show me a script, show me contracts with actors, and then I'll get excited. Until then, it's all guff. It's all, like, I expect to see several trademarks of lots of different things that are going to come out of this agreement that Alex Kurtzman has with CBS. They need to show that he's doing something, and until we actually see what falls through, I don't care. So, first off, I'm crazy excited about this announcement. And when I saw the video of him, of Patrick Stewart being brought out on stage, I can't describe the different significant emotions I had throughout his entire uh, delivery of that announcement. And as a TNG baby, you know, I was, I was six years old sitting down in my living room with my parents watching the premiere episode of The Next Generation as it aired. And that was a very special time in my life, the first few seasons of TNG. Not so much for the quality of the episodes, but for the family experience that I had and that foundation that was built for my Star Trek fandom. And so to have this announcement is just beyond excited. And and I'm sure that people who were there we're having much more overflow of emotions as you two probably know. Um, as for the title, I will say that I think trademarking the actual phrase is part of the process to then be able to trademark the logos because also in these documents were the logos for Star Trek Discovery and different formats of of those being put together and and it started with the trademark of Star Trek Discovery, just the name. So I think that's part of the process, and I think that whether or not I do, I think this is the name of the show. I almost hope not, because for Star Trek fans, the Reliant is much more prominent in our minds from Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. So for them to call a show starring Jean Luc Picard Star Trek Reliant seems like a real miss, in my opinion. I'm hoping that this is for some other Star Trek project that they're developing. Possibly the Nick Meyer project that he's been working on, you know, secretively. I've also heard the possibility that this is that that rumored Nick Meyer um, con project, but I think we've seen what happens with con on the Reliant. I don't, I don't, I don't see what story there is to tell there. Um, it is interesting to note that Jean Luc Picard, as a young ensign, was serving aboard a Reliant. I don't know if it's the Reliant, but it's, um, yeah, so he did observe a long time ago aboard um, the USS Reliant. 
I find it a, a tenuous link between that history and the the series, the Picard series that they're touting at the moment. I think it's a bit of a red herring, and I think what we'll just have to do is, um, <laughs> as with all things, sit and wait. Picard's return to the small screen, according to CBS TV Studios President David Staff, is an early step in making Star Trek a year-round experience. Staff told Deadline, quote, My goal is that there should be a Star Trek something on all the time, on all access, end quote. The Deadline interview included CBS All Access President and COO Mark Debevoise and CBS All Access Executive Vice President of Original Content Julie McNamara, as well as the aforementioned staff, and is fully loaded with behind-the-scenes Trek nuggets. Check out the link in our show notes for more. So this is not unlike the concept of doing an anthology series, right? I like the idea that they're working towards having Trek or some form of Trek all year round. Now, expect hit and misses, right? Expect some serious hit and misses. The more content you produce, the more likely it is that you're going to have something that's going to be real terrible, but then you're going to have a few things that might stick. And I'm okay with these, the, the concept of this mini series, these, these 10 episode, you know, five or 10 episode featurettes that tell a story that we want to know, right? Like, this is not unlike the concept of an anthology series, right? It's worked well with American Horror Story, and I think that it... I really think that this could work well with Star Trek, because there is so much to the soft canon of the multiverse that there are so many stories that you can tell. Or you can even, you know, go back and tell expand on a story that was from TNG that was a one episode long, right? You can you can expand on these stories that, that perhaps deserved more time. Yeah. I, I think this could be really good. You know what I really hope that they do is for T like after I just mentioned TNG, I really hope that they do an animated series. You mm. know, right? You know, we've talked about this before that there was a there was an artist who had done some fan art of the TNG cast and DS9 cast and the style of Kim Possible like kind of that style of animation, the TNG actors can still very much sound like themselves, and we could very well see TNG come back in a way that we never saw before. That's great. Mm -hmm. That's great. Even for an animated series, Tron Uprising on Disney was great, and it was it was mature. It was for mature audiences, which is one of the reasons why I think Disney pulled the plug on it. So. Having Trek all year round is great. And why? Because one of the arguments that we've had about the Kelvin timeline Trek is that Trek works best on the small screen. And here we have this opportunity to get Trek all the time. Here's what I look forward to. And this is not my idea. I do not take any credit for it. But when I heard it, uh, I was like, yes. I look forward to there being Star Trek on television that I dislike. I, w I look forward to the day that there is so much Star Trek on television and that it is in so many different forms that there are entire Trek series that I have no interest in watching. But there are other people who do want to watch them. I want the future where there's a gritty, dark Star Trek series on, where there's a something on the CW that is like... Starfleet Academy, like Teenagers in Space. I want there to be an animated series for kids. I want there to be 
um, se- like semi non-fictional, you know, deep dives into political whatever. You know, I want this breadth, of this universe. I want it to be like the Marvel universe, where there are Marvel shows that I won't watch because I'm not interested. I want that to be for Star Trek. And I think that's what we're going to get more than the anthology series. I would love an anthology series. I really hope they do one. But I think we're also going to get other shows that are going to have multiple seasons with the same characters, similar to Discovery and every other Star Trek series we've had in the past. And I think Ken is right. I think and I hope that that she's right and that we're going to get, you know, those different styles, the CW kind of show, the animated show and everything. And I look forward to those. Well, the reason I even consider it an anthology is because the they're going to put it behind CBS All Access. They're not going to, you know, whereas with Marvel, you have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC, and then you have Inhumans on ABC, and then there's stuff on Netflix, and blah, blah, blah. Like, they've they've splintered out the license to various production houses. Um, I'm pretty sure CBS is going to keep this all behind CBS All Access. So at that well, point... Well, I think it'll be more like the Marvel shows on Netflix, where each one is its right. own thing. But if any of them take place in the same time, we may see some crossover or a miniseries similar to The Defenders. Right. So we've been talking a lot about uh, Star Trek on television, which all, generally speaking, is good news. So naturally, when we start talking about the films... It's a little different. According to The Hollywood Reporter, actors Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth have hit a roadblock with Paramount regarding their return to the next Trek film installment. It appears that all parties have left the proverbial bargaining table. Pine, who portrayed Captain James T. Kirk in the rebooted Kelvin timeline, and Hemsworth, who played his father, the ill-fated George Kirk, were both due to reprise their roles in the fourth Kelvin timeline film. The Hollywood Reporter cites sources saying the pair already had deals in place for the upcoming film and were being asked by Paramount to take a pay cut. Paramount cited declining franchise box office numbers for the request, but the Hollywood A-listers refused to budge. All is not lost, however. The film, according to The Hollywood Reporter, is still a top priority for Bad Robot and is not being put on hold. As the article points out, Star Trek IV is set to be the first big-screen Trek directed by a woman director, S.J. Clarkson. Stay tuned to Priority One as this story unfolds. What a wonderful time it is that we get to talk about so much Star Trek on television and then also talk about Star Trek in the movies. Like, if you had told me five years ago that we were going to have this much Star Trek news to talk about, good or bad, <laughs> I, I I, would have laughed in your face and said there's no way that Star Trek is going to have a resurgence like this at all. And here we, And yet here we are. What a wonderful time to be a Star Trek fan. The other thing I want to say is that these kinds of things are, you know, where, where actors, you know, do this or Standard. do that or studios. This is kind of, this it's, is all- it's negotiating tactics. And the other thing is Star Trek is not a huge franchise, money-making franchise, like a Marvel movie or like a Wonder Woman. Like, this is not, you know, they, I hope that they come to some kind of agreement. I'm sure they will. I don't think there's any way that Paramount's going to let them walk away completely. And I, because of the resurgence that Star Trek is having, they almost have to do it. And I think that this movie, you know, sequels ha- are a funny thing. It's always about the last film that came out. Okay? The reason why Star Trek Beyond didn't make as much money as Star Trek Into Darkness was because of how poor Into Darkness was. 
But now that Star Trek Beyond was a good film, perhaps the box office for this Star Trek, regardless of how good the quality is, will reflect that. Uh, Remember, Into Darkness is still, to date, the highest grossing Star Trek film ever. I think we, uh, we, (laughs) Star Trek, I think Into Darkness lost a lot of people because the film itself was poor. They went to go and see it and then didn't return. But um, but yeah, it's... uh, yeah, the franchise is 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 not the powerhouse that it that they probably thought it was going to be around the time of Into Darkness. And it's not going to be. No. That's the thing is that Star Trek is never going to be a Marvel. It's or not going to make a billion dollars. At the and box it's office. not going to make a billion dollars. And it's never going to that. The, where if Star Trek is going, Star Trek is always financially going to trail behind. The Marvel, even DC, and most certainly Star Wars. That's the sad truth about it, is that it's going to, it's always going to trail behind. That's not to say that it's worth less. All I'm saying is that there is, the the numbers show, the numbers are there. These other powerhouses bring in the money. And those two actors in particular, those, both of those two actors are Marvel and DC stars, those movies are pulling in a billion dollars. Star Trek is pulling in a third of that. They they can pull that money. They don't need Star Trek. Right, exactly. So they can pull that card and say these things. However, 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 however. If my understanding my understanding of the contract was that Chris Pine had already signed on to do another film. Therefore, whatever this first of all, this is all, you know, again, it's I, I, most of the time it's probably it's it's like like Anthony said, simply negotiating tactic. Maybe Chris Hemsworth won't come back. Chris Hemsworth did his, you know, had his start with Star Trek and then went off to do Thor. Now he doesn't need Star Trek. Hemsworth doesn't need Star Trek. And therefore, if he doesn't come back, I, you know what? I'm not going to miss him. I wasn't really even keen on the, the daddy story anyway. Now, Chris Pine, on the other hand, needs to come back. There, you know, this is not, this is not one of those, oh, let's recast uh Savic. No, 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 no. You cannot recast him and he if they're gonna do another Kelvin timeline enterprise story, they better flesh it out with Chris Pine. Chris Pine is Chris Pine is the is the linchpin in this. Hemsworth, I don't care. Chris uh Chris Hemsworth owes his entire career to the first four minutes of Star Trek two thousand nine. It's true. And I hope yeah. because that's how he got the part in Thor is because right. of his performance at the beginning of Star Trek 2009. And I hope he doesn't forget that. And by the way, I don't think the actors even know what's going on. Yeah, probably not. It's, right. And yeah, I, yeah, I would yeah, not yeah, be yeah, surprised yeah. Right. if they were right. both represented by the same right. agency and that it's just the probably. agency doing their job, which is fine. That's their job. But I, right. I wouldn't be surprised if they're represented by the same agency. Right. Well, that's it for this week's Star Trek news. Now let's find out what happened this week in the world of Star Trek gaming. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Well, Captains, we are here today with uh, two members of the Star Trek adversaries team. Holly Amos and Josh Singer. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Uh, how are you enjoying the con so far? Uh, this is always my favorite event of the year, so I'm having a blast. Now, Josh, have you been here before? Have you been to STLV before? Actually, last year was my first year, and I, I had an absolutely fantastic time. This year has been 
quite hectic promoting the game, so I'm glad I got to come last year and experience it just as a fan. Uh, this year is very different as an exhibitor. So let's start off and just talk really quickly. What's uh, Just give me a two-second summary of this new game, because it's just recently launched. Uh, there's a, a few Star Trek games out there. What makes Adversaries different from the other ones that are currently in the market? So I would say the difference between Adversaries and the other games in the market is uh, Adversaries is a digital CCG uh, meant to be a, a full multiplayer and single-player uh, adventure. Uh, CCG is a collectible card game. Uh, so this game is in the kind of long tradition of Magic the Gathering and Hearthstone and uh, other games of that ilk. Um, we really have tried to make this a love letter to the Star Trek fans. Uh, we've got over 150 hand-painted crew images, 105 modeled ships. Uh, we really want this to be a game that speaks to both CCG fans, but really specifically to Star Trek fans in particular. Now, I understand that your company actually didn't start off developing games, that there was a different focus that you guys were doing. Do you mind going into that a little bit? Uh, well, not quite. We're, we're a sister studio, so we're a spinoff from a very successful uh, VFX house in Los Angeles called Lola Visual Effects. Uh, I actually led their 3D department for seven years there while we worked on things like the Marvel movies. So, for instance, we were the house that did the look dev and the design and all the modeling for Vision. So whenever you see Vision on screen in any Marvel movies, that's, that's our work. Wow. So we had the opportunity to branch out and uh, begin a new company focused around gaming. And from its very inception, Puppet Master has been about making this Star Trek game uh, specifically. Why Star Trek? Why start with Star Trek and not something like uh, Marvel? Because we love Star Trek. Fair enough. We, good, we, good answer. This was the, as I said in our, our uh, stage show the other day, the first time I ever tried to make a video game, I was eight years old. And I tried to program a Star Trek game in BASIC which was terrible, but it is the culmination of essentially a lifelong goal to produce a Star Trek game. Now, Holly, you have a long history with Star Trek. Why don't you tell us how you got involved with Adversaries? So I actually have worked uh, for the brand in one capacity or another for almost six years now. Uh, I started coming to this convention in 2011. I returned in 2012 just because I had such a good time and ended up connecting with uh, John Van Sitters, who is the vice president of product development at CBS Consumer Products. And he actually hired me and I worked for CBS directly for the brand for five years. And then uh, when I left CBS, I actually moved on to become a producer for adversaries. So I'm still... I'm still with the brand, just in a different in a different way. More like super producer. A super producer. So you said this is a basically it's a collectible card game, but it's digital. And how how does that how does a collectible card game work in a digital platform? So one of the benefits of the kind of modern era of digital collectible card games is if you were a player of Magic or the old Decipher game back in the 90s like I was, you were if you didn't have a friend to come play against or a tournament to attend, you were not playing the game you wanted to play. But now in the digital CCG age, you can construct a deck and log on and play someone anywhere around the world at any time of day. And that's the beauty of the digital realm of collectible cards is that yes you don't have a physical trading card game but the opportunity for play the opportunity for expansion the opportunity to make changes after the game has been released to make sure that we're able to balance it and that the game never falls into a meta that we're unhappy with that, those are the things that a digital ccg allows you to do over the traditional paper C, uh, tcgs so it sounds like you have a lot of experience with gaming growing up, right? Uh, tell us a little bit about that and how you are able to translate the 
intricacy that is a game like Magic the Gathering and then apply it to a Star Trek themed game? So for this game, we wanted to start with the, the kind of current model of the, of the digital CCG, which is largely games like Hearthstone, Shadowverse, uh, Elder Scrolls Legends. They all take from the lineage of Richard Garfield and Magic the Gathering, but they've made it a faster pace. So for instance, in these type of games, all of your actions happen during your turn, and that's an important thing. In the old TCGs, there were things like interrupts, where you would take an action during your opponent's turn. This makes it much more complicated for a digital environment. So part of what we do is we're part of that kind of faster-paced, slightly more simple, everything that you do is encapsulated you know, in your turn. And we've kind of taken that quicker, uh, more action-paced CCG, and then combine that with the Star Trek genre to try to create something that's really unique. So one of the things that we have that no other game has is a function called retreat. So when you play a ship onto the board, once it has an attack the next turn, it can then attack with that attack, or it can retreat and pull off the board and give you the energy back that it was used to play it. Because of that, it creates a dynamic resource management system unlike any other CCG on the market. So that's just one example where we looked diegetically at the Star Trek universe and said, would a Star Trek captain ever just order ships to go out and just fight until they die? Like, no, they would order them to go out and do their mission and then get back safely. And so that's just one example of where we've really tried to make this speak to Star Trek fans and be correct for the Star Trek universe. Now you can't, one of the things you mentioned earlier was that, you know, the thing about something like Magic the Gathering, these, these tabletop games require you to have friends nearby. So the game is in fact multiplayer over the internet. That's correct. Not only is it multiplayer with ELO-based matchmaking, so you can match up with someone anywhere in the world who is similar to your rank, but it also has a fleet and a friend function. You have a fleet with 200 members. All the members that are online and eligible to play, you have a roster that you can select and hit play and challenge people to a, a match that doesn't require the matchmaking. You also have a friends list. You can play any of your friends around the world anytime they're available to play. So not only do we have kind of matching against strangers for competition, but friendly matches and then matches with other people in your fleet. And Holly, you've been doing a lot of Twitch uh, streams with the game. What, what's been your experience with the game uh, and player reception? I do. I Twitch stream three times a week, which is a new endeavor because I had never Twitch streamed before. I had actually never played a collectible card game before I was hired. Uh, learned very quickly. So the learning curve on a game like this is it's very quick. Seems overwhelming at first, but it's simple to learn. Once you understand the core mechanics of it, it's incredibly strategic. Um, and our community that I have found, uh, you know, that comes and watches me on our Twitch streams, they're some of the nicest people. They tutor each other. And in fact, we had a, a turn. We have another tournament today here at STLV, but we had a tournament a couple days ago. And the winner actually told us afterwards that he had been coached by one of our game tutors on our Discord community channel right before. So the the people that have kind of come out of the woodwork and have become loyal to the game are uh, some of the most supportive people as well because we have we have a discord and we're on there almost every day we really want to be accessible uh, developers and uh, we're on there every day talking to them and uh, getting input and suggestions and bug reports and we try to address all of those as quickly as humanly possible but the, but the community has been fantastic and the feedback has been great we really try to make sure that our development cycle is a conversation with the players, mm -hmm. not just a, a kind of one-way stream of, of you know, dialogue. We really want this to be something where the players feel like 
their feedback, their input matters and they will see the changes based on their feedback in the game. And that happens all the time. We have features that will be suggested on a Tuesday and will be released in the game on a Monday. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the artwork. Um, you guys mentioned before that it's sort of a sister company to a visual effects studio. And one thing that struck me when I started playing was that considering that it's you know, a fairly straightforward card game, the, the graphics and the visuals are outstanding. So tell me more about the art process, what kind of assets that you have in the game, and what your vision is for what you want to put into the game and the player experience from an artwork perspective. So from an artwork perspective, uh, we'll start with the 3D for the ships. So um, you know we've got an amazing modeling team at Lola that handles uh, the vast majority of the ship models. And so they really come out cinematic quality because that's the level of detail that our artists are used to working at. So you know we're big ship fans, and that's why we've made sure to include over 100 ships just in our initial release. I mean, we, we could have gone with 50 or 60 or and just kept holding them back and releasing them slowly, but there's so many ships to cover in the Star Trek universe that... You know, I, I believe once it was quoted to me at over 700 uh, individual designs. I'm sure a lot of those are kind of kit-bashed and, and you know, slight variations on each other. Um, but we really want to make this, you know, as I was saying before, a love letter to the fans. And I think part of making the, the art super detailed and super authentic um, you know, is part of that goal. And, and on the 2D side with the crew art, I mean, obviously these are the characters we grew up with and we love. And so we want to make sure that every single portrait we paint is uh, you know, special and, and, and beautiful and represents that character in the best possible light that we can. So, and the process for that, we've got, like I said, on the 3D side, we've got the Lola team. On the 2D side, I actually paint uh, some of the images myself, wow. and then we have uh, an, another woman that I work with who is exceptionally talented, and I absolutely love the work she produces. It's, it's just phenomenal. Going forward, uh, the art we're going to be putting in the game, a lot of the new stuff is going to be, well, we have the Romulan expansion coming, right. so we've got uh, a bunch of new ship models coming in that, and some of which we previewed here on Friday. We have more art coming, too. I got to show off Romulan Kirk which is oh, nice. my favorite of the new crew images we have so far. And then moving forward, we have our entire single-player galaxy mode where we haven't shown off screenshots yet, but we have modeled and constructed the entire Star Trek canon universe from the Stellar Cartography book. So there's wow. 192 systems to fly around to, all actually spaced on a Cartesian coordinate plane with their accurate distances. You actually travel to these places, and the travel time is based on the distance. So to go from Alpha Centauri to Earth is 30 seconds. To go from Cardassia to Romulus, you're talking about 11, 12 minutes. So we're really trying to make a, a huge, beautiful universe to travel around, and that's the next big piece of art we're looking to show off. You mentioned things like the uh, Romulan expansion, the, the stellar cartography connection. Can you tell us what is the story for the game, right? So we're not uh, looking to tell one individual story. This is not necessarily your hero's journey within this universe. Uh, we want this to feel, we want the universe to feel large and scary. And so that as you get better and as you progress, uh, you feel more emboldened to reach out, explore more, take on harder bad guys. But the story itself is meant to really be a reflection of the stories that have already been told. So for instance, like most of our missions reference stories from the past. So you may go back to Nelvana 3 
and there'll be something there having to do with the TNG episode that takes place there. While we're not retelling stories directly, everything is referential to these stories from you know that already exist. With you know over 700 episodes of Star Trek, you know you can retcon a story and you can write your own fan fiction. But we prefer for now, especially, to just be faithful to the canon as it exists. So the galaxy is really about exploring and getting to relive all of the great stories and the great moments from Star Trek as you level up and progress through the game. So I've been playing this on my phone. Which, when you start talking about uh, you know these great world-building experiences, that's that's nuts that you can have that on a phone, and I can attest that it actually does feel big, even on a tiny screen like that. What platforms can you find the game on? So where can people go to play the game now? So right now the game is available on Steam for PC and Mac, uh, and about three weeks ago we were released on iOS, and a couple of days ago actually when we were all traveling into Star Trek Las Vegas, we released on Android. Um, so those are the four platforms that we're available for right now. And we're looking to do, a, our next port will be to the Nintendo Switch. Oh, oh. Nice, very fun. Nice. What about, um, so I know with Steam, what about something like a Facebook app? It's not out of the question, but we have to address one thing at a time because it's a different process for every platform and it's a learning curve uh, to figure that out and then move on to the next one. Yeah. We've tried to make sure that we cover all the major platforms. Uh, Web-based platforms are slightly harder for full 3D games um, because of the way the rendering has to happen through you know, the web browser. Also, it's a large file size to download with the game itself. So we're really trying to focus on the platforms that uh, will best handle the game and give users the best experience. Uh, so we need, you know, so we're always looking for that next platform that'll deliver uh, a good experience for the players. So we're looking, like I said, at Switch. We're also looking at things like Xbox in the future to bring it to consoles. The game is free to play. Completely free to play, correct? And can you make in-game purchases? And if so, what what is all that? Uh, absolutely. So we have currency in the game that one is earnable and that is latinum so you win latinum by winning games and we also have a premium currency that you can actually pay for to accelerate your collection process called command points and everything in the game is available through latinum the only item in the game that is exclusively through command points are the flagship skins so each one of our 24 flagships has a completely cosmetic skin that you can purchase uh, and those are the only items in the game that you can't earn purely with latinum Awesome. Now you mentioned a Romulan expansion. What you know? What else is in the future for the game? Right now, we're working on the galaxy, which I am working on, and have a massive spreadsheet of every system, planet that was ever visited alphabetically, and I'm matching it up with inspired by missions. And it's it's a task. And someone asked me this morning on our Facebook, when do we have an ETA on that? And I was like, I, that it is expansive and an ETA is, is, is hard to give right now, but that, that's what we're working on currently. Yeah, we're hoping that will be out in the fall. We're going to try to make that coincide around the Romulan uh, expansion, but we'll see how that goes. It is a massive system that we're building. We're, we're really trying to be ambitious with this and give something that the fans have never seen in a game like this. 
you guys mentioned that you have a Discord channel where uh, players can interact with the developers and give feedback. Where can they find that? So we, I mean, we have several platforms. Uh, Discord is is our most interactive in terms of developers' uh, immediate attention to things. Uh, Discord.gg/StarTrekAdversaries. We're also on Facebook, Star Trek Adversaries. Uh, we're on Twitter, Star Trek underscore CCG. Star Trek Adversaries was too long. Yeah. Uh, we have a, a Twitch account, Star Trek Adversaries. We're on YouTube, Star Trek Adversaries. So uh, we can be found all over the web. I run the social media personally, so. I'm on there fairly often, not as often as I'd like to be because we're here yeah. right now, but uh, I will most definitely reply to everything that gets sent my way. And also, we have links in-game. So if you open the options menu in the game, we actually have a link in there that takes you straight to Discord or to the Reddit. So okay. if you ever need help and uh, want to reach out to one of our game tutors who are just about always online to help people, including our tournament winner from Thursday, you can literally click the Discord link inside the game and it'll take you straight there. And my, and my last technical question is, um, and Holly, I asked you this earlier in the week, is that the one account rules all the platforms. Yes, so it's, it's cross-platform, which means that uh, you can log into the same account. All your stuff will be there on anything, any platform. And actually, not only that, but you can be playing on your PC, decide you need to leave and catch an Uber or something, and actually log into your account on your phone, and it'll swap over mid-match. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. oh, that's, that's a great feature. And can you play cross-platform? So if I'm sitting here yes. on my phone, Absolutely. I can you, play and with Elijah. You're not even going to know. Like right. You could be playing somebody on the other side of the planet who's on their phone while you're on your PC. Right. Wow. Excellent. That's a great feature. Great feature. Right, well, Holly and Josh, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a real pleasure, and um, I hope to see more and more from Star Trek adversaries uh, in the future. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Thanks for you. having us. I'm sure there is an answer. Well, better get some facts. For this week's astrometrics report, I'd like to start with a quote that's very popular amongst astrobiologists, namely, follow the water. The basic idea is that since we know that water is intrinsically important to life on Earth, if we want to look for life elsewhere, a good place to start would be locations where we know liquid water exists. Mars has been a place of great interest to astrobiologists because of the incredible evidence that large bodies of water used to exist on its surface. Of course, today, the atmospheric pressure of Mars on its surface is so low that water literally can no longer exist in liquid form. It instead would transition directly from a solid to a gas. However, planetary scientists have just announced the discovery of what seems to be a 20-kilometer-wide region of liquid water that exists beneath the surface of Mars. Found in Mars's south polar region, this subsurface lake appears to lie underneath about 1.5 kilometers of ice and dust. The discovery was made from radar observations from the European Space Agency's Mars Express mission, which is currently orbiting the Red Planet. The data comes from a ground-penetrating radar system on Mars Express, in which scientists can beam radar waves towards the surface and analyze how the reflected signal traces through different layers of material. A particularly bright feature in this radar data seems to indicate the presence of this subsurface lake. Similar features have been found on Earth. For instance, Lake Vostok in Antarctica is a body of liquid water that's underneath about 4 kilometers of glacial ice. Water that is rich in dissolved salts and is under the pressure of an overhead glacier could still exist in liquid form, even at the temperatures found on Mars. 
Given the incredible variety of so-called extremophile life on Earth that can be found in incredibly varied conditions, the excitement is that if life ever did emerge on Mars, it's possible that some trace of it might have survived in an ongoing liquid environment like this lake. The data in this study covered only a small region of the southern polar cap, so it's possible that ongoing observations might uncover similar such lakes elsewhere. One way or another, this will mean that Mars will join the list of so-called ocean worlds in our solar system, places where subsurface liquid water is known to exist. This includes Jupiter's moon Europa and Saturn's moon Enceladus. All of these places are going to be the focus of future studies looking for the possibility that life exists elsewhere in our solar system, which is a good starting point in our search for life elsewhere in the universe. That wraps it up for this week's Astrometrics Report. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, this is the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Episode 377's community question was, Did you enjoy our coverage from STLV 2018? What was your favorite part of the convention announcements? And is Old Man Picard something you're looking forward to? From Patreon, Jim DeVico writes in, Not being able to attend STLV, I did enjoy listening to your coverage and experiencing it vicariously through you via Facebook and the podcast. One question I do have, and it's really been top of mind, how long does it take to skin a wyvern exactly? Ooh, ooh, well, I know this. First, it's it's slightly longer than learning about all the latest publications, tools, tips, <laughs> tricks, and traps on Heroes Rise podcast. Ooh, well played. Video. <laughs> I've been waiting like all week to do that. <laughs> From Patreon, Chris Keen writes. I enjoyed being able to sit down with a beer and listen to all the content coming from the con. I had one moment of tears and one moment that was heartwarming. The tears come in the form of the return of Jean-Luc Picard. And the heartwarming moment was watching a live clip of a certain Priority One presenter and a female Klingon flirting with each other. Winky face. Ha ha ha. Yes, yes. Kenna, what Klingon were you flirting with? <laughs> That's for me to know and you to never find out. From Facebook, James Morris the Fourth says, Loved the coverage. The panels and interviews were my favorite. I thought it was pretty cool y'all got Mary Wiseman and Garrick to sit down with you. Hopefully y'all can get more of the stars in the future. And who ain't excited about Patrick Stewart's return? Wonder if our boy Worf ain't made captain yet. From PriorityOnePodcast.com, Chiyu Umiku says... Great coverage as always. I look forward to this every year. I loved everything announced this year, but the best part was your interview with Mr. Garrick himself. He really was the best character on Deep Space Nine and my favorite. I'm on season five of DS9 at the moment. I have a question for you, Priority One. What was your favorite part of the convention this year? Ooh, that's a good question. We're going to go into detail with this one for our patrons over on Patreon.com in our, in our special on-screen uh, recap of, of STLV. But there's no reason why we can't at least give one uh, moment during the convention. Kenna, why don't you go first? What was your, what was your moment? It's actually really hard to choose because the whole week it was kind of weirdly magical. This was like a really strange week and like everything kind of went awesome. My favorite part of the convention was absolutely getting kind of caught backstage with 
the whole Discovery cast after the STO panel. Like, we were just back there, you know, talking to the audio people and getting our equipment. And then and then all of a sudden, it's like Shazad Latif and Wilson Cruz and Mary Chifo. And, of course, Mary Wiseman and Rekha Sharma were there. Um, just like everybody was back there. And it was all like, yeah, <laughs> it was a little overwhelming, but super fun. Uh, I'd have to say my, I mean, the panel, doing the panel with Mary Wiseman and, and Rekha Sharma was, I mean, I still haven't, it, I still haven't been able to process it in my head that that actually happened. Um, there's photographic it, evidence, was, you know. Yeah, there's photographic evidence <laughs> of it. I think somebody recorded so, it too. Yes. And I, um... There's no video recording before people start typing in and requesting the video. There's no video recording, but there, we have the audio, which you heard last week, Captains. Uh, you know, that that was that was certainly a, a wonderful experience that I'm so very grateful for. And like I, I said last week, I, you know, I, I thank Perfect World Entertainment and Cryptic Studios for, for uh, giving me that opportunity to moderate. Honestly, I, I think that my favorite part was interviewing Andrew Robinson. I think I'd have to say that because it was unexpected, right? He happened to be across uh, our our Roddenberry table, Roddenberry podcast table was was right across from Star Trek Online. We were right there, which was great because in years past we've had to struggle to kind of be near them. And as a Star Trek Online focused podcast, all these years, you know, we wanted to always be near them, and it was always pulling teeth with creation to try to get try to get close to them but this time it was the Roddenberry monolith and a massive massive spread for Star Trek online they had a captain's table they had a captain's chair there and it was it was great to be close to them so when when Andrew Robinson showed up in the morning and started playing the game and and show well he wasn't playing the game but they were showing him the game I walked in and like immediately set up and was ready and I walked over to, to uh, talk to Al. I was like, "Oh, we should get him over. We should do like a like a post post playthrough thing. Like, well, this is this is great. This is amazing." And like we said last week, when I was when we were kind of recapping with Al, and I was talking to him about it, he is the he is the sweetest man. Uh, just so delightful was the word that I used. What a what a what a pleasure speaking with him. What a pleasure speaking with him. And then, of course, kind of being backstage and, and pulling Mary Wiseman aside and doing a quick little interview with her. Uh, that was great. That was fun and exciting. And, and, and Ken, I got a really great silhouette shot. So, yeah, those 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 are my moments. I, I love that Andrew Robinson also razzed you about not being a big fan of Deep Space Nine. That was my favorite part <laughs> yeah. of the convention, yeah. really, once I heard that. <laughs> I can't. Here's the thing: is that I can't go in front of an actor and pretend like New Space Nine is my favorite because everyone would call me on my on my BS, right? I'm gonna be honest. It's it, you know it's been my least favorite, and but I like I said and I've said on air, I'm rewatching it. I'm I'm in I'm in season four now. I just finished uh, Home World, Home Homecoming, home Homecoming, front. and and the, the clearly made an impression. <laughs> no, it's when Cisco comes back and they start to implement <laughs> home, all the all the front. all the tactics. Home front part home front, one, yeah. part two. Yeah, and and uh, you know it's, it's starting to it's starting to grow on me, and I'm starting to appreciate. It. And I definitely appreciate Garrick way more than I did in my early twenties. You know, like it just it's so di- watching Deep Space Nine now and and that thirty three is way different than it was at twenty three. You know, so yeah, I'm glad he called me out, and it's fine that he called me out on it. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be a hypocrite. And of course, 
getting to work with Kenna oh, in the same room at the same time. First of all, together. that's a lie. It was just, I'm gonna. It's I'm not. just gonna step away and give you two some <laughs> space. It was. It's always an honor and a privilege. No, seriously though, to be completely to be completely serious. One, Kenna, on record, thank you so much for the backup and the support. And working with you is is seamless, and we we seem to always be on the same page, uh, backing each other up, and and it's great working with you there. Um, and again. A big thanks to you, Anthony, back at home for helping with the audio editing and, and, and the rest of the team, because without you guys, uh, it would not have been possible. It really would not have been. Thank you. And I really enjoyed listening to the interviews that you guys did as they were coming in. And, you know, as much as I missed not being there, I, I really felt like I was getting a, a large portion of what you guys were experiencing through those. And just before we move on to closing, I just wanted to send a big thank you to James Golding for his voicemail that he sent us. Uh, James, we're really glad that you love the Patreon content from STLV, and we thank you and all of our other patrons. I know that we say that every week, but we really do thank you guys for your support. You really help us be able to do these things for you. So live long and prosper, and just thank you again. Well, that wraps up episode 378 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. For more great podcasts like Mission Log, Women at Warp, and The Trek Files, visit podcasts.roddenberry.com. Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Leave us a comment on our website at priorityonepodcast.com on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast, or find us on Twitter and Instagram via at Priority One Pod. Don't miss a thing from the Star Trek multiverse. Catch our episodes every Friday by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Tuesday nights at around 11 p.m. Eastern on Facebook. Keep an eye on our social media channels for details. And if that wasn't enough, be sure to spend time with Admiral Winters and the Priority One Armada on Saturday nights. Saturday nights, the Armada takes to our Twitch channel where they review the latest Star Trek Online and Armada news, as well as spotlight some of the amazing members in our community. Each week, we team up with you, the viewers, and earn things like reputation marks and dilithium. With regular giveaways, there's something for all Star Trek Online players, new and old. Follow us on twitch.tv forward slash Priority One. And if you'd like to join the Armada, just visit PriorityOneArmada.com. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at Patreon.com forward slash Priority One. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons & Dragons, Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to HeroesRisePodcast.com to discover their secrets. A very special thanks to Holly Amos and Josh Singer from Star Trek Adversaries. Thanks to our audio editors, including Brandon Parker, Ben Churchill, Anthony Cox, Jake Morgan, and Michael Winters McDonald. 
Thanks to producer Jake Morgan for assisting in the writing of our show and social media endeavors. Thanks to our graphic artist and web designer, Henry Pomper. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Thanks to Patreon associate producers, Navy Boats Lou and Jim DeVico. But most importantly, captains, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, and our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Sue, no! Engage! Elijah, oh, closing sync. I'm just kidding. Are you I'm serious? Just, Holy <laughs> oh, oh, man. I almost stopped, too. You almost <laughs> <almost laughs> up for all of us. Take 14. <laughs> Sorry. For more great podcasts like Mission Log. I should subscribe. That's a new one, I think. That's it, yeah. It's the bold new show from Roddenberry Entertainment. Star Trek. It takes about uh, two hours to skin a three-foot animal, and a wyvern is approximately 15 feet tall, so I would assume that it would take 10 hours, roughly, to skin a wyvern. Everybody hit stop. Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.